guys. Welcome back to Blend at the Podcast. I'm Destiny. I'm Sierra. We have a treat for you guys today. Let mm. me tell you. We have Miss Melissa here. She is many, many things. She is the founder and executive director of Brown Girls in the Boardroom, CIO of CSI Companies, all while being a mother and a wife, and is wearing many, many other crowns, one of those being my client. Mm. I have been blessed by her words and presence in the salon, and I'm so excited to have her share her story with you guys and just be really inspiring and just share what she has for us. She has lots and lots of knowledge. I was actually doing a Google search on you um, on the internet, and I had to because Melissa is literally one of the humblest persons that I know. We're literally sitting here. She's like, oh, did you see on my Google search that I was on, like, on the Oprah show? And I'm like, what? No. I'm like, I did see all the awards yeah. and groups and like literally you name it, she's done it. What did what did you just recently join? The links. Is that the group? The, the yeah, the links, like Connalisa Rice's part. I'm she's she's crazy. She's literally crazy. But one of the things that I did find, I found a license for DBPR. Did you do nails? I had a nail. What? <laughs> So I just want to know how we had a whole like conversation. <laughs> and the fact that I what? and you never you know told what? us you this. know what? So I shared with y'all when I flunked out of college. Yeah, right? yeah. You I did. had to have a hustle. And so I loved getting my nails done. And I'm like, what better way? Learn how to do nails. So when I went home that summer, I actually got a nail license. Wow. I saw it and I'm like, this can't be here. That is so funny. That's funny. So you had a nail salon? I did. I owned a nail salon. Oh, yeah. a salon? I, have, I, Wait, no. I owned a nail salon. No, because you just said my side hustle. <laughs> well, the side hustle was to get the license, right? Uh -huh. And then I had an older brother who had, had a building, a commercial building, mm -hmm. and he offered me to start a nail salon in the building. This is what I mean by she's humble because <laughs> I've been doing her hair almost a year. Half of the stuff I've known her, known about her is from her niece telling me, and now you're Googling her. <laughs> but I love that. And it just, it's, it really does. It speaks to your character. She's a God-fearing woman that isn't afraid to go for what she wants. And I can't wait to get into this episode. I just feel like I'm going to learn more about you that I didn't even know before. We were on our pre-interview call and she's telling her story. And I'm like, didn't know that. Girl. Didn't know Girl. that. The second didn't we got off that. the phone with you, the second we hung up the call, I called Destiny. She starts laughing. She's like, you want to know? I just learned so much about this. <laughs> she's like, really? I was and like, you didn't know that? We actually talk we do. when I'm here. Yeah, so. we yeah. really do. It's, it's like, didn't know she was in the military. So yeah. you was like, oh, I peeped that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, she's, she's uh, just got, I don't know. There's a vibe. Yeah. You, you learn the vibe if you're. A yeah, baby child. That's so funny. But so speaking of you and your hustles and all of the things, today we're going to be talking about overcoming obstacles and fighting stereotypes, building community and how to be a leader. And then we're going to finish off with the most amazing thing, which is you founding Brown Girls in the Boardroom. Because being CIO of a company isn't enough. No, she it's, had to found a whole nonprofit. <laughs> Before we get into that, I would love to hear your story so can you share a little bit about like your entire journey with us hi oh so i was born into a family of parents who were very much grounded in their faith mm -hmm. they worked in ministry and they had 12 kids 12 all of us say mom and dad i have to say that because that's, that's a lot of kids yeah and i am the youngest and so 
was certainly raised in the church. Mm-hmm. Lots of my values and my foundation really comes from being grounded in my faith. And so I was the youngest of 12. My mom died when I was three. My dad never remarried. He always said, oh, when the youngest goes off to college, then I can be, you know, I can kind of live my life. And it's interesting because he was an old man, right? I'm the youngest of 12. And so my eldest sibling is 75 and I'm 52. So there's a a gap there, but they were having babies basically every 18 months. (laughs) And so (laughs) my parents weren't wealthy. My dad had a sixth grade level of education. My mom went through 12th grade, but didn't graduate. She started working because they got married and she got pregnant. And her job was actually being a maid, a housekeeper for some wealthy folks. And my dad was a welder by trade. And so they just worked really hard. And that's what we saw growing up. We saw prayer and we saw faith and we saw nobody owes you anything. You got to work for it if you want it. And so he instilled that in us in such a big way. And so I'm the youngest and I come along and there was never more than six of us in the house at the same time because the older ones were married with kids and my mom was still having kids. So I have nephews and nieces that are older than I am. Weird. I have um, <laughs> Yes, you get it, right? And so the older of the group, six of them had already gotten married, gone off, gone to college and done great things. And there was so much pressure because my older siblings were really doing the dang on thing. They all went, you know, I had brother, I mean, from a doctor, chiropractor, scientist, nurses, they just all did very well. Whatever their craft was, we worked hard because that's what my dad instilled in us. So here I come, 12th grade, in a home where my dad's really strict, church like seven days a week. I feel like we were always at the church. And I graduated, I go through high school and actually started, I was a cheerleader, so I was able to cheer, but that was the extent of it. I never stayed, spent the night at a friend's house or stayed anywhere other than my dad's house. He was very much, you know, he was rigid in that regard. And I never understood why. It it bothered me that I couldn't hang out with the girls and I couldn't, you know, go to slumber parties and all that stuff. But I now understand his why. But I graduated high school, went to college, had a scholarship. I was pretty bright in school. And now I think, I don't know if I was just real smart or real scared to bring home a B to my dad, right? It's probably a combination of the two. I yeah. highly relate. Yeah. The boys didn't want to talk to me because they were like, your daddy is crazy. <laughs> right? we no parts of that. Um, I and so that I one. snuck mm-hmm. to date, you know, all the things. And so I went to college, had a really good time, but it was my first time really having some freedom. And I blew it. I had a little scholarship blew my scholarship, just partied and wanted to do everything that I thought I had missed out on in college. And my first two years just didn't go well. So my dad was like, you're coming home. Why? Because I ain't rich and I can't just afford for you to be balling out in college. And so I went back home. But what I understood was failure, number one, was not an option. I had seen so much in my siblings that I was just embarrassed. And I feel like I had hit rock bottom. And I was just, I was almost like most likely to succeed. Like I had done well, it's pretty popular. So to be able to go back home and stay in my dad's house with a 10 o'clock curfew and I'm now 20, that wasn't gonna, I mean, how how does that work? This is not the vibe. No, (laughs) and so I'm like, I gotta do something. I gotta do something. And I met a recruiter at a gas station when I was home that summer. Yeah. But first, I was like, I went well, you keep that <laughs> summer. Well, that summer when I came home, right, I'm like, I got to do something. I got to do something. I wanted to get my nails in all the time. That was a thing. And so one day with my feet in a bowl, getting a pedicure, I was like, I can do this. Like, I can do this. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I went and got my nail license. 
and went through, got it. I mean, it was a breeze. I was like, okay, this is really a thing. I can really do this. And so I decided I was going to do nails. And my brother had the space, offered me an opportunity to open up a shop at his commercial building. And I'm like, I want to do this. And so I did it. Y'all, this is how hungry I was. Like, I cannot fail. I like nice things. And nobody's going to buy them for me, right? <laughs> I, would work, I would work in the morning. I would start at like 8 o'clock and I would have appointments. It would be like 2 o'clock and I'd almost be shaking. <laughs> no like food. From hunger, no, no food. Yep. No, yeah. nothing. Like, I was just like, but they keep booking these appointments. Like, I got to get them. I got to get them. And I was just so driven to be able to have my own at that point that I worked really, really hard. Yeah. One of the things that I never let go of was that I needed to get my degree. I needed to finish what I started, right? I felt like I had disappointed my dad. I disappointed my siblings. And so I wanted to make that right. So I did nails, but I met this recruiter at a gas station and he was like, what are you doing with your life, right? And I think it's their <laughs> job to talk to young people anyway. Yeah. So whenever they see him, he probably was hanging out at the gas station's hindsight, waiting for some young people to come. I don't know where they recruit <laughs> from. But I met him Everybody. and I was talking to him. He was asking me what I was doing. And I told him and he was like, so you went to school and you didn't finish? I'm like, no, I flunked out basically. And my dad can't afford to just pay for it all. And he said, well, you can always go to the military and they'll pay for you to finish school. I'm like, well, how does that work? What do I got to do? And by the way, I'm not that chick. I ain't the military girl. Like I had real long hair back then. It was thick and I would get it pressed out, right? The lady at the corner would burn my ears pressing with a hot comb. <laughs> but I had so much hair and I was just like, I am just prissy. I Pretty like, girl. Yeah, I can't go to the military. Yeah, you were I, doing nails. I, yeah, I was doing nails for crying out loud. But he convinced me. He was like, yeah, he must this have is your real thing. good at his job. He was. He was good looking, too. But I was like, <laughs> I can there travel. You <laughs> You'll pay for my college. I can travel and I can get out of my dad's house yeah. and mm -hmm. have some freedom. Mm -hmm. And so I signed up for it. And I freedom. remember coming home. Freedom. I remember coming home, <laughs> telling my dad that I was going to go to the military. And he was laughing like, you will never survive basic training. So now I got, I got a chip right. on my shoulder. And my dad had been in the military back in the day when they were drafting him. My older brother had been in the military prior to going to college. And I had another brother who had gone in the military. I think he was kid number seven. They were familiar. And my dad was just like, you're not going to make it out of basic training. I'm like, I absolutely will. So anyway, signed up for it. Long story short, went to the military. I did very well. I was like a leader there because most of the girls were right out of high school. So they were younger. I had some college. So I was kind of a leader in that space and got accepted into this program to be an officer, went, finished school. They paid for my college degree. I served my time, got out and started working. And at that point, I had been exposed to just a life that if you really want to live this way, you have to earn your keep. Mm -hmm. And so Got my first job as an accountant. I, my, I majored in accounting, not because I wanted to be an accountant, but because I was good in math. I didn't know what else. I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up, right? Mm -hmm. And so started working in that field and met a guy one day who had worked for a big firm. He was a tall, dark and handsome young man my age and literally- there, There's a pattern. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is. I, okay, I noticed the pattern. Too, I got a good looking, tall, dark, handsome out. husband too, y'all. I got to oh, say okay. that. Because he going to listen to this. Right? I gotta, well, <laughs> baby, you are all of that. But <laughs> you are the best <laughs> in this day. Um, I met a guy in the elevator and I was working for this company in accounting. And he said, I heard you talk in the meeting and I think you're pretty sharp. You should join our project team. And it was a technology thing. And I'm like, but I'm not, IT, like, I'm, I don't code in the dark. I, I don't have a pocket square. Like, that was... <laughs> The, you know, that was right. kind of the image back then. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think I can. 
And he said, well, I wasn't a techie either, but this type of work I think you can do. I think you transition. And oh, by the way, it pays me a lot of money. And I'm like, like how much money? Squeak. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, six figures. I was like, but you're lying because you're my age. And I'm making my age. And you're I think I'm balling out. Like 25, <laughs> making 25,000. This is, this is it for my life. And he was like, yeah, no. I said, well, if you bring me your paycheck next week, I will change my mind. And he did. He bought me his paycheck. He was making six figures. And I ran into my boss's office. And I said, I want to learn this Oracle thing. And it was an ERP system at the time. And I could combine my finance experience and really grow in the field. And it has just blown my mind. Mm -hmm. um, I can't tell y'all how appreciative I am that he was able to have that conversation with me, expose me to some things that I never even knew about. And that coupled with my faith, I said, I'm going to be all in. Mm. And it has proven to be very much the path that God had for me. Mm. Yeah. I know you're not finishing there because that's yeah, how you're done so much more. So that is how I <laughs> tried to stop. I'm just saying that's how I got into this tech space. Okay, realized it was and really now, and now I'm a CIO, a whole CIO, mm -hmm. um, and I am trying to make this thing possible for more people that look like me, kids that look like me, women. Because it's a male-dominated industry for the most part. So I have been very fortunate in my career. Got recruited to come to Jacksonville. I worked for the local utility, JEA, for 11 years. I actually grew up in leadership there. Mm -hmm. They sponsored me to get my executive MBA because they saw something in me. And I finally realized when they said, we're going to put you on a fast track and send you to school uh, to get your executive MBA for the leadership program, I realized then that I had something, Right. And, I was going to say, and it wasn't until then that I realized it. And here I am 30, right? Working really, really hard and didn't know what my juice was. And yeah. I think, I think, I think they it takes me. a lot of people that long though. Well, and it's like the situations that you've been put in. We were talking before we recorded about her experience at the Oprah show and how they yes. got put in the front row. Like people see who you are and, and want to give you more, yes. which just speaks yes. in volumes of yeah. the kind of person that you are that like, People see you, they know, like, yeah. Melissa is going to be something and I want to be a part I of that. I want a piece of that. Yes. It's so interesting because what I do believe is that we have to show up. Mm -hmm. We have to show up. Nobody knows how great you are with doing hair until they show up yeah. in your space, honey. Mm -hmm. And here I am now. I can't get enough of it, right? <laughs> but I think all too often as women and young women even, right? We, we think of our careers sometimes as the men are the, the dominant, you know, leaders in almost every career, right? Whatever it is that they do, they lead out. And so I think oftentimes, I know for me, I've always thought that as a woman, there's only so far that you can go. Yeah. And so when they came out with this breaking the glass ceiling, like that was a real thing. And to know that I am at the climax of my I mean, when I think about my role as a CIO, I never saw that for myself. And so that launches me into this position now that I got to show other people that this is possible, mm -hmm. right? And so I'm living my life right now. I'm working hard in the corporate space, but there is so much more that I feel like I have to give outside of yeah. my job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So and I mean, just from hearing your story, you've had many obstacles to overcome being the youngest. Mm-hmm parents who didn't even graduate from high school, yeah. flunking out of college, yeah. going into the military, being a woman, being brown. I mean, there's so many obstacles that you've had to overcome. What kind of helped you motivate, get through those and just continue to get to where you are now? Because that can definitely be discouraging. It, it can be, but I try not to 
allow the things that challenge me to define me. Mm-hmm. And what I've realized is that you got to fail fast. It's okay to fail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you got to fail fast get up. and know how to get up and keep it moving. And I think oftentimes we get stuck into this mode. People get stuck. They fail in their life. I mean, think about it. You flunk out of college, you go back home. It would have been easy for me to live in my daddy's house for free. Right. I was mm-hmm. 20. I could have grown up there. We just talked about adulting. Oh, to be a kid again. Right. But I could have let that define me. Yeah. But I wanted so much more. I... I have a sister who was married, and so she traveled with her husband in the military. And so I said my mom died when I was three. So every summer, I would go live with them. So I had become well-traveled, right? And so I was seeing stuff, and I would see people drive these nice cars. And I'm like, how do they get this stuff? I know I wasn't going to be a drug dealer, so I had to work for mine, right? (laughs) And so I wouldn't raise like that. And so I knew that I had to work for it. Yeah. And so once I realized that I had something... I love people. I love to communicate. And I'm not afraid. Yeah. I ain't scared, y'all. I think people also sit on this, this thing, this fear of not knowing who they really can be because they don't mm-hmm. try because they're afraid. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to try it. And I'll fail. And guess what? I'll do something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That speaks a lot to me. Because I feel like what holds me back the most is like, I have this fear of failure. And... I will almost, I was just talking to my client about this yesterday. I will have something and I'll want to know A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? I'll be like, no, okay, I need all these backup plans. And if this happens, then what if this happens? And if this happens, then what if this happens? And then I had a moment where someone was talking to me and they were like, well, what if it's great? Yeah. How about you think about that? Yes. How about you think about the multiple the ways it could full, be amazing? Not half empty. Yeah. Yes. And I'm like, I want the glass to be half full. But I also don't want the glass to get empty ever at all, period. But 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 once you realize that there's you got that it yeah, that and it's says never my gonna... glass ain't gonna be empty. Yeah. I think that's the force. And I, I don't think people really tap into that. Yeah. I literally told Sarah that she's like talking to me about like this jump she can make it in career. I'm like, you're not like you're not gonna fail. Like fail, <laughs> fail. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, we were just talking about before out, you got guys. here. I literally we were talking about the podcast and like how we need to be over and better. She's like, if and we don't above. do this, we're going to fail. And I I'm literally like, why would you it? say that? And then she said, why would you say that? She's like, we're not going to fail. And I was like, okay, but to me, it's a fail. And then she's like, it's not a fail though. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It's an obstacle. That's we're, right. We're going obstacles to are fine. I feel like that I'm always really, getting over obstacles. And, it, and I think that really is the driver to make us yeah. want to go harder. When I see something and I feel like, this ain't it. I go hard for it. And yeah. especially if I'm like, I can do this. I know I can do this. Now I do a lot of Talking to myself. I'm probably borderline. People would say, how do you define crazy, right? Yeah. It's if you answer back. Yeah. So I try not to answer back, but I... I, Mentally. I'm just... I can talk to myself and I can talk myself into... Why can't you do it, Melissa? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why why can't you do it? Look at them. And half of the stuff that we are paying for today and experiencing, people don't operate in the spirit of excellence. And so I have committed... That when I do things, I'm going to operate in the spirit of excellence, right? Yes. And if I put that forward, and again, I'm very grounded in my faith. And so I just got this crazy kind yeah. of faith that believe if I go out there and try it and I'm yeah. trying to do good and I'm trying to do kingdom work, I don't think God's going to let me fail. Yeah. No. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And so I think we got to tap into that inside thing that we know and believe 
mm-hmm. is going to help us get through it. And we we got to ride out on that. Yeah, it, I've it, definitely it been there. Like throughout every major position that I've been in in life where I make a big career making decision, mm-hmm. it has been through faith. And I feel like we haven't really had an episode where we've talked about our faith like that. So yeah. I love that. You're over here as a CIO talking about how you let faith lead you through your career. Absolutely. Listen, some things, you know, you don't have the ability to do. Exactly. A hundred percent. I have walked into rooms, into meetings, into boardroom conversations that I'm like, these people are crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Like, God, it's going to take you. Because right now, the flesh that I'm in want to say something that's going to jeopardize my job. And I need my money. Yes. So I need something higher. I need some more kind of powers. This ain't it. Yeah. And so I have truly allowed my faith to be present in everything that I do. So I don't don't know how not to. And I ain't saying I'm walking around with a Bible tapping people. No. And you don't give that at all. Yeah. But I I, trust and know that he will. And I believe that. And I think that that's a big part of it is just having not only the belief in your faith, but the the faith to have the belief in yourself. Yes. You know? Yes. Like it makes such a big difference. Absolutely. So is that more so what you lean on when there's people and the whispers and all of the negativity gets to you? Do you lean on we, your faith? Yes. <laughs> you know, faith without works is dead. The Bible talks about that, right? Yeah. So it ain't just your faith. Like you got to put in the work. Yes. And I think oftentimes I absolutely lean into my faith but what I also realize is, Melissa, you got to put something behind. You that. have to do that. Yes. Give us some help. You can't yeah, just we're, rely you can't on just God. Be, oh, no. I read the Bible. Yeah. The Bible says I'm going to be rich. No. Money. Yeah. What tree are you yeah. falling from? Like, no, everybody will be rich. Yeah. You got to put in the work. Yep. Yes. And I think sometimes people get tripped up into that, right? Yep. But it takes, it takes, I, listen, I'm a mom. I'm a whole mom of a 10 year old. I'm 52. Did y'all hear? Like, I'm about to be 53 in, I don't know, a month. Why is your skin so With a 10 year old. I don't know. know. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we have secrets that we'll talk about later. Yeah. <laughs> Off- Offline. <laughs> yes. Yep. Um, but but I, I there has got to be something else that keeps me going. There are things that I'm like, how am I doing that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, how is this? It's got to be it's bigger than me. I ain't that smart. Yeah. Right. Now, what I know is I'm going to hire good people mm. as a leader. I'm going to make sure that I surround myself with smart. I'm going to come somewhere where a smart person can do my hair. Like I, <laughs> I am attracted to people that get it. And when I say get it, like people that are like, I'm going hard for this is what I do. And I'm going to go hard for this. Yes. Right. I'm going to give you all my money because I know you're going to go hard for it. Yeah, right. It. And so I'm attracted to that. And I think that also attracts people. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I get up in the morning and I go, I tried like, Lord, when my feet hit the floor, let them know that Melissa was here. Let them know that I showed up Yes, for whatever wow. it is that I got to do. I love what you said about like going places, surrounding yourself with people mm-hmm. who are going to bring you value. Because I know when I kind of shifted to a luxury service, mm-hmm. you're attracting people who are typically successful and the energy shift and just dynamic in myself that shifted because of the people that were sitting in my chair. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was insane. Like the the woman that I have like become just because of the people that I have had in my life just from my chair alone. I mean, you're on our podcast right now. It's just been, it's been so amazing because like not only am I 
hearing about their lives and I'm very inspired by what people do and what they've mm -hmm. been through. And mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. But it's also like, you're uplifting me in my chair. Like I've never had that before. When I first started doing here, I was doing a lot of younger girls, like out of college and I'm hearing about their one night stands Hot and their girls. parties. And yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I would go home so energetically drained. When I first sat in your chair, I'm like, there's something different yeah. about destiny. There is something different about it. Right. And people will know. Yeah. They'll get it. And people are attracted to that. I don't care what people say. There's so much going on in this world today. People are crazy. I always say it's 97% in the 3%. I shouldn't be saying this on your podcast, but I really believe that. I believe 97% of the people are getting like crazier and crazier. And then yeah. there's this 3% of us all that's just trying to do the right thing we and live right and work on it. Yeah, we like, my three, you know. But anyway, but um, that's an exaggeration. But my point yeah. is yeah. there is so much good to be around good people. Yes. And my prayer is always that, how does that catch on to yeah. people? How do people get mm -hmm. it and yeah. start to do right? Because I got it from somebody, right? I actually worked doing hair and makeup on a podcast before we even had this podcast. And it was a faith-based podcast. And the girl, literally, I remember she grabbed my arm while I was like blending. <laughs> and she was like, I can feel like something in you. Yeah. Like through just our conversations because yeah. you're so genuine. And I helped her get through things. And I feel like when you're in the chair or like in your chair as a CIO, like you have such an impact you, on people. You really that you don't do. That you don't need, and it's just you. We weren't talking about faith. We weren't talking about anything. Yeah. We were just getting to know one another and talking. And like if I can help someone or they can help me, I feel like that's at the end of the day. That's why a lot of people do this. And it keeps it going. And yeah. I think that that's like the whole purpose. That The line of work y'all are in is really ministry. But yeah. We'll leave that for another. So I know you didn't quite mention this in the interview, but we kind of had a pre-interview call with you. So when you were at JA, you had built a team there. You had a name for yourself. People trusted you. And when you moved over to CSI, that team followed you, which again, just speaks to your character, who you are. And just the importance of having community, having people that you trust, mm -hmm. people that you can rely on, because as much as we need God, we also need our community Absolutely. and the people that he has provided for us to Absolutely. get through that. I think many times like you see people in power and they just like they they just take that and they run with it. Mm. Or they, they stomp. Can, there's people who stomp on other people on the way to getting somewhere. Yes. Ruin their relationships. Yeah. yeah. And you decided to like really grab those and hold on to them. And I think you told us your whole team followed you. Pretty much. Never yeah. heard of that happening. How have Not you much. kind of held yourself accountable to show up as a leader and someone that people can trust and rely on. And if you're going somewhere, they don't even have to question. Like if Melissa's there, I'm, I'm there. going. Yeah. So I, I think that is another testament to, I try to live by faith yeah. and I try to do right by people. Um, but I am a servant leader mm -hmm. with a touch of charismatic tendencies. Right. And so I serve, I, I see leadership as an opportunity to serve, not so much as an opportunity to delegate and boss people around and do it, but I see it as an opportunity to serve. I love that. Right? And so I want anybody that works with me or for me to grow. And so I'm serving them. I'm serving them in their career. I'm serving them. As I want them to get all the things, the training, the development to grow. But more importantly, I care about them. I had a boss and the best boss that I had, whenever we would do our one-on-one -on -one feedbacks and they were bi-weekly, 
he would always start off with, I'm not going to ask you about work. I'm going to start off with something personal. How's your husband doing? He would be so interested and concerned about me personally that it made me want to run through walls for him. Mm -hmm. And I learned that and I never let go of it. And so I genuinely care about the people that work mm-hmm. for me. My team, I care. I know their husband's name. I know their vacation. I know their, where they're going. I know their birthdays. I, and so I am, I am intentional about letting them know that I care about them. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what I mean by serving them, right? I want to make sure that I am concerned about the things that concern them. Mm-hmm. So I get to know them as people. And so we established this relationship. And I think community is about relationship, right? Mm -hmm. And so all too often, you got a boss, but that's what they are. The boss gets the title. The leader gets the people. Mm -hmm. And so wherever I've gone, as I've I've climbed in my career, they have reached out and said to me, is there a position? If an opportunity comes up, please, I'll come. I want to follow you. I want to go with you. I can't even tell y'all what that means to me. It almost gets me emotional to think about it right now because I trust them and they trust me. And so- it's easy to lead when you're in that space. Now, yeah. there's some bad apples that I get, you know, along the way. But by and large, um, I have tried to show up as a leader that is genuinely concerned about not just the growth of the business, because that's first, but also the growth of the people that I get to serve. And so I see it just like that. They don't see me. well, And sometimes um, that comes back to bite me because I am so personable with my team that I don't ever want them to not see me as their leader. And those that I've worked with for so long, they get that. But sometimes you get people that they can't even appreciate that I'm just trying to genuinely be concerned about you. Now I can't flip the script and be a boss. Okay. That's and what I've you seen want it. me to do. Right. <laughs> You've witnessed me have calls. That's right. But very professional, so, very, yeah. very professional and caring, but like, this is it. This is what yeah. needs to be done. I love and, and I just think that we get better results when we're in a relationship. Yeah. yeah whether I'm the leader or not. And I am also a good follower. So I am good to my boss, right? Because I know how I want to be led and I know how I want to feel when I have to report to someone. And so the way I treat my pastor and serve the way I treat my CEO that I report to, the way I treat my older siblings, right? (laughs) Who I look up to and I see as leaders over me. I want that to be a direct reflection of who I am as a leader, Mm -hmm. how I follow. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important. Yeah, and that's I think it's important even as a leader to yeah. see that caring about people is so important. I mean, we speak that all the time. It's not just yeah. what you do, it's how you show up, it's how you do. And that kind of brings us into you saw a need not only within USCIO, but in mm-hmm. corporate America in general or in business or entrepreneurship in general, you saw a need for something. And so you created Brown Girls in the Boardroom. So tell us a little bit about that and what it is. So I have always, since I have been uh, fortunate to be in roles of influence, I have always tried to say, had it not been for my big sisters who showed me how to be a lady, how to date, how to show up, how to wear pearls, right? How to fix your hair and care about yourself. I'm not really sure where I would be. So they were my first mentors. Mm -hmm. I was working for JEA and we were doing a program where we were trying to recruit interns and the girls would show up. It was, you know, geared toward diversity. The girls would show up from our local HBCU college here and it would just be less than optimal. Mm -hmm. Their hair would not be indicative of, I am wanting to be in a professional environment. There were nails out here. There were, I mean, it's just, 
the outfits. And it could have been that they just didn't know. Nobody told them or they just didn't have the resources to do it. Yeah. And so that would bother me. And so me and a couple other women took it upon ourselves to start going on the campus and helping them with interviewing skills, writing their resume, and even preparing their outfits for them. I would have girls come to my house and I would give them clothes out of my closet to show up for interviews. And it started happening to where they were starting to get opportunities. And I'm like, this is a thing. So I got to start doing it. So I would go on my lunch break once a month and they would get girls in a room and I would talk to them about how do you really show up? Y'all are going to school. Obviously you want a degree. You want to be able to earn a good living, but it's almost as if they thought that they were housewives of Atlanta or something. They would be walking around on campus with like five inch heels and, you know, hair down to, I mean, it was just, I'm like, what are y'all doing? This is like college and you have to show up so that you can get a job. And oh, by the way, people that are going to be interviewing you, they have biases. And if they see something and they think it's going to prevent you from working because your nails are from here to this table, they may not hire you to type on their computer. Yeah, right? already and at a disadvantage because yes. you're brown Absolutely. and you're a woman. Yes. Yeah. And so this thing is real. You can't show up, you're a brown girl and there's blue hair. It doesn't grow out of our head like that. So show up in a way that you really are your authentic self. And then once you get in there and wow them and do a great job, then you. You start where you're, then you do what you do. Slowly but first, let's get in the door it because there are people around the table that can make a decision right so we started doing this and I was doing volunteer work I can remember I like nice things I'm gonna carry a designer bag so I would show up in uh, intentional in red bottoms and a Louis Vuitton bag because they were impressed with that those girls are you know oh my god yeah and what my story was was that I work for this I can show up like this and I can live in the neighborhood that I want to live in and I can drive the car that I want, but it's because I went to work every day. I showed up. I made sacrifices. I told them the story that when I first went to work for this big firm and I would travel to different clients, I, in college, got a little tattoo and it was on my chest. And I knew if my dad ever saw it, he would like kill me. So I got it somewhere that I could hide, right? And so it was on my chest. But I started going to events and had to wear little black dresses to evening, you know, events, galas and stuff. And the rose started to peek out. Y'all, I was so determined that I didn't want anything to hinder my career that I had it surgically removed. Oh. I'm talking about a rose one, but this big. But it was starting to peek out, right? And, and nothing's wrong with tattoos. But what I would say to the girls was, you can't have a big tattoo on your neck because the whole time I'm interviewing you, I'm, I'm trying to read what it. Lil Bow Wow said and all this kind of stuff on your neck. So like, make these decisions... <laughs> that are not going to hinder you. And so we were having these conversations, like this is real talk, how you gotta talk to them. And so we started having these, isn't it Yeah, we yeah. started having these conversations with them, real conversations, and it would catch on. So I was doing this mentoring thing, back to Brown Girls in the Boardroom. It was the height of George Floyd. COVID had just started and it was, I wanna say August of 2020. I was about to turn 50. And for my 50th birthday, nothing was open up. My husband couldn't take me on an elaborate trip. And he's like, well, what do you want for your birthday? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. And they were going to, you know, this is when the car parades were coming in the neighborhoods and you would wave and people would drop on cars. And I'm like, is that what you're going to do? Well, anyway, some leaders were going back into the office to determine how we were going to move forward with bringing people back in the office and what we were going to do. And I was sitting in this boardroom and there was nobody in the room that looked like me. And they were talking about George Floyd and they were talking about how we're going to come back from COVID. And I was just like, Melissa, you got to do something different. You got to do something different. That's it. For your birthday, you're going to start a nonprofit. You're already doing the work. And guess what? You're going to call it Brown Girls in the Boardroom because there's nobody in the room that looks like you. And it was almost as if I heard a voice that said it. Yeah. Right? And I'm like, that is it. Now, I struggled because I'm like, you can't call it Brown Girls. People are going to think like you're 
not being inclusive and you got to just say girls in the boardroom and you got, and I said, no, but this is what I know how to be. And this is, this is what I want it yep. to be. And it's no shade on anybody. It's not me being, you know, oh, it's only about the black girls and the brown girls, but this is what I know I can do and do well. And I started, I said, that's what I want for my birthday, honey. I want you to invest in a nonprofit and help me do this brown girls in the board thing. And for my 50th birthday, I gave myself permission to do that. And why I knew it was the right thing to do is because I put it out there and one of my old bosses made a monetary contribution because he saw, I wasn't even on Facebook back then, right? But for my 50th, I was coming out on Facebook. I was talking about brown girls in the boardroom. And the guy who did my marketing put it on LinkedIn. And one of my old bosses saw it and he was like, this is exactly what you exemplify. And I'm going to write you a big check to start it. That's awesome. So what kind of things do you guys like address with brown girls in the boardroom? It is everything. We have programs that are around emotional intelligence. How do you show up? Are you coachable, right? How do you level up into your career? We we concentrate on girls ages 25 to 35 because typically they are starting to be, and it ain't just a boardroom meaning a physical corporate boardroom. It could be your salon room, right? Your building. And so whatever it is that she they are She says that, into, but she said I couldn't join. She said I couldn't join y'all either. Told, y'all are already there. Like... <laughs> Y'all can come be advisors. Like y'all can be spokesperson. Okay. Spokesperson for the group. We have said but on this listen, podcast we are not giving advice. Y'all we are not speaking as people who know everything. Day. Listen. Y'all are trying to learn. We are to be a sponge. Y'all are fabulous. It all up. Y'all got it. Listen, y'all got the it. See, she's y'all are operating right now. Y'all you got see? it. I would love to have y'all as part of the Brown Girls in the Boardroom. She's community. like, but we need an opening yes. for someone else. So no. Yeah, she's like you. That needs a little more help than y'all. I'm just saying. But you know what? We were talking about this. Our board was talking about this in our last board retreat. We're like, we don't need to, like when we have events and maybe it's a swing into success. That's an event that we have where we teach them how to golf. There's not a whole lot of us on the golf course that's making decisions and lots of decisions are being made there. But what we decided was every program day, we are going to start saying, hey, you may not be a part of Brown Girls in the Boardroom, but why don't you as a young woman come join us and I get in that. on this stuff? Just even and like so, the networking aspect yes, of it. It is, is amazing. Yeah. It is, this board is amazing, amazing. And so there are women who we have just, we failed. We've succeeded. <laughs> we've had bad relationships. We've had great relationships. But the experience is tried and true. And we're just trying to help the next brown girl level up. I you know what's that. wild to me is that she started Brown Girls in the Boardroom. And when you were talking and you said that you looked around and you saw that you were the only one who looked like you and like George Floyd really affected you, like me and Destiny connected in 2020 like we had never connected before. And it didn't hit me until you were talking. Wow. That we had this plan for blend that turned into blended which is this, what we're on right now. But it was literally because we both felt a lack of community. And I feel like during George Floyd, we both were like sitting here as mixed women, just feeling like... Well, and just as corporate is very white men, it's like salons are like black salons or white White salons. salons. Like we didn't fit anywhere, but we fit with each other. And then we were like, we want to make a place where everyone fits. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you have absolutely. something on your Instagram. I wrote it down. It says there is room for you at the table, and brown girls in the boardroom can help you take a seat. And that's literally like our. It's mm-hmm. like in our in our intro. Like mm-hmm. we love that. I mean, it aligns so much with like. Not only are we here to support you, but we're here to help you grow. Yes. We want you to grow. Absolutely. We don't want it all. That's you right. Know? That's right. We want to nobody share it. can and get it all by themselves. Woe is me. If I have been afforded the opportunity to get to this level 
mm-hmm. and refuse to reach back and bring somebody yeah. else. Yeah, oh my God, like, what, yes. we, All of this has been in vain, Melissa, yes. because you have done nothing to help the next person come up. Mm-hmm. And I just don't believe that I'm here just to go to work every day, come home, try to live this decent lifestyle. And there are women out there, girls out there, that all they need is to know that they can yes. and to see and to somebody see else doing it, right? Sometimes we can't be it unless we see it. Mm-hmm. So how dare I sit back and think that, oh, okay, I've made it to the CIO level. Oh, I'm good. Me and my little family, three, we're good. Heck no. I ain't dying yeah. not helping somebody come up. And we have this little thing. Our, our theme for Brown Girls in the Boardroom is leveling up. And as the girls come in, we're like, you're going to leave here better than you started. They write down and they seal this envelope when they first come in. They put three things in the envelope that they want to achieve in this group. And let me tell you something. We are going hard. You need a new job. I'm doing your resume. I'm setting you up for an interview. If I got to send them to Destiny to get some extensions in their hair and get their hair done, baby, I'll pay whatever it costs. <laughs> because we are determined that we're going to help this next generation, right? And so that takes, it, it takes you knowing who you are, but it also requires for you to be able to move the agenda for it with other people. And yeah. so I'm just committed. The, the whole community thing, and it ain't just about brown girls in the boardrooms. I sit on boards of other organizations You're that's trying to do this so, good work. I know. I just involved in so much. And like, I have never heard you complain selfless about anything like literally there is so much work to be done y'all there is so much work to be done and so I just feel like God has given me something Mm -hmm. and I'm still figuring out at 52 like what's my thing tell me again what's my thing I know that I have the gift of communication Mm -hmm. I know that I can encourage and, and motivate people that's my thing I live my life in the spirit of knowing that anything is possible yeah right if I continue to just believe and have the faith like there, I would have never been able to write my book the way it is written. Right. And so obviously it's bigger than me, but God has allowed my life to be as it is so that I can just be a vessel. Speaking of writing books, you need to. You just say you, you know how I got time to do these things. <laughs> We could listen, but I like that. You're speaking something. No, you really do. (laughs) Melissa, you have so much knowledge and experience. (sighs) I mean, you have literally been through it all. Like, it's insane. Like, I am I am so incredibly mm. grateful that you even took the time out of your day to come here. She's been saying and this like for weeks. be on this podcast. Like, I've been this. so excited for this. Oh <laughs> God, I'm honored. And and I can't be quiet. Right. I got to tell my story yeah. because it could be my story that inspires somebody gonna, to just get up and I, do something great. I know great. just from this episode, you're, you're gonna going to inspire so inspire many. So many from your story. Yeah. So that's what it's about. Since that's what it's all about. If you had to go back and talk mm. to Melissa right after she failed out of college, what would you tell her? I would say dream big. And believe every one of those dreams can come true. Mm. I don't even think I dreamed big enough. Well, thank you for joining us today. We appreciate your time and all of your knowledge and advice that you've given us. If people want to kind of know more about Brown Girls in the Boardroom or even support your nonprofit, how can they do that? So we are on Instagram and Facebook, Brown Girls in the Boardroom. BGNBR.com is our website. And you know, it's interesting because we've not done a lot on social media just because Things have just been happening. Yeah, organically, Mm -hmm. they've happened. We've had sponsors. We've had, not that we can't use anymore, but we've (laughs) had great sponsors. Our board is comprised of women who really pour into the organization. 
but we love the community aspect. So absolutely reach out. You can see us on Instagram. You can see us on Facebook, Brown Girls in the Boardroom, and then bginthebr.com. Perfect. If you missed any of that, then we will leave it all in the show notes and follow us more on Instagram. We are at blended underscore podcast. Love you guys. Bye, BB. Thanks for being our blended babes, a.k.a. BBs. Join the conversation and let your voice be heard. If you're ready for a revolution, don't forget to leave us a review wherever you're listening and follow the journey on Instagram at blended underscore podcast. Share this episode with your BB who is ready to beautify the beauty industry and rewrite the standards. Get all the tea from this episode and more in the show notes. Bye. Bye.